Scott, how are you? Mario, can you hear me well? Yeah, I can hear you well. Never guys, I'm going to kick it off. Never, never a dull moment here. With oh, okay, is it, hold on, hold on. Is it working? Is it working now? I think so. So let's go ahead and we'll try to make it may you know i i i i have i've never liked you but now my dislike to you just reached a new level well then i'm winning <laughs> the mic is yours let's kick it off perfect everyone can hear me yeah man everyone can hear you everyone's giving thumbs up thank you so much for for joining i know you have a limited time and you've experienced the uh, joy of twitter spaces for the first time because uh this is what happens 99 percent of the time but I want to obviously talk about the uh, flight. It down, it down. Okay, go ahead. It sounds more functional than Congress. Uh, <laughs> and and we were uh, unfortunately watching some of that yesterday for for all of those hours. We were uh, holding our breath and waiting to see what was going to happen. It seemed that the uh, Financial Innovation for Technology Act did quite well past both uh, committees, but uh, that there was a bit of a sticking point on stable coins. But maybe we could talk about the first one because that seems to be a huge win. Can you give us the broad strokes? Sure. So for the first time in history, um, uh, Congress, particularly the House of Representatives um, and the Financial Services Committee, passed legislation regulating digital assets. Uh, so the market structure bill draws a distinction between restricted digital assets, which will be regulated by the SEC, and digital commodities, which will be regulated by CFTC. And it establishes a process by which digital assets can transition from securities regulation to commodities regulation. Um, so a digital asset is presumptively uh, you know, subject to the jurisdiction of the SEC until it's shown to be so decentralized that it can be a commodity. So that's, that's a broad overview of the bill. It actually rings uh, kind of close to what uh, Commissioner Peirce was proposing for years with Safe Harbor. Is it somewhat a similar, similar concept? Yes. Uh, and, you know, the, the legislation regulates digital assets. It brings regulatory clarity where none exists. It protects both inv- um, you know, consumers and investors. Um, and it, but, but more importantly, it protects, it just as importantly, protects crypto companies from arbitrary enforcement actions on the part of the SEC. Uh, so regulation by enforcement not only had a dreadful day in court, it also had a dreadful day in the financial services. Right. And you wrote a letter to Gensler for the Ripple hearing to very much along those lines. Can you tell us what you think the problems are with their current path of regulation by enforcement that you just mentioned? I, I think everyone in our industry sees why it's problematic, but I think there's actually quite a few people who might not understand it who support that that approach. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll do my best to explain it, but you know, Mr. Gensler has been engaged in what is known as regulation by enforcement. And I compare Gary Gensler to an overzealous traffic agent who tickets drivers for speeding without telling them the speeding limit. Right? Gensler refuses to reveal the speeding limit. He has not issued a single rule clarifying the application of securities law to crypto assets. He has not issued a single piece of written guidance. There has been mixed messaging between the two market regulators, the SEC and the CFTC. And then there's been mixed messaging within the SEC itself. So the CFTC has said that Ether is a commodity, whereas the SEC has said otherwise. And then Mr. Gensler has had an ever-changing position on the status of Ether. He originally said it was a commodity, then he said it was a security, then he said it depends. 
And if you have no clarity about the law, then you have no ability to follow it. You know, clarity is the cornerstone of compliance. And the market structure bro, is going to bring clarity where none currently exists. Scott, so it's, uh, and Scott, just one question I have. Congressman, it's a broad question, but why? Why the lack of clarity? Uh, look, my I'm of the view that Mr. Gensler is using the power of the SEC to sabotage the industry. Um, you know, for whatever reason, he feels that crypto should have no right to operate or exist in the United States. And what we've seen from the SEC is not regulation, but the weaponization of the SEC against the crypto industry. Uh, so that's my reading of what is unfolding at the SEC. I'd love to dig in a bit more on why you're so passionate about this issue. I think that there's a view that it's been partisan, but I think that was proven that this is actually a bipartisan issue in your committee, right? But what got you, I guess, passionate about this particular issue? Why do you care? Is it important to uh, constituents in your district? Can you talk a bit more about that? Sure. Well, first, in order for the United States to remain the leader of the free world, we have to be dominant in fields of emerging technologies, including technologies like blockchain. And for me, blockchain has the potential to be a revolutionary technology. It has the potential to revolutionize finance, creating a better, cheaper, faster payment system, particularly for the lowest income Americans. It has the potential to revolutionize the internet, create, creating a new layer of the internet known as Web3. And for me, the project of radically decentralizing the internet and finance it is profoundly progressive. You know, people should recognize that crypto is a progressive cause or can be a tool for solving problems affecting the most vulnerable people in our society. Uh, so I represent the Bronx, which is one of the poorest congressional districts in America. And my constituents have been left behind by the traditional financial system. Um, I, I represent people who have to pay exorbitant fees to transfer their own money through check cashiers. Um, you know, about a decade ago, the New York City Consumer Affairs found that low-income New Yorkers in places like the Bronx spend more than $200 million a year to send remittances to their loved ones abroad and to pay check cashing fees. And so I'm excited about crypto and blockchain because an innovation like stablecoin can digitize the dollar. Blockchain can move the dollar in real time and the combination of stablecoin and blockchain can create a better, cheaper, faster payment system for the lowest income people. It can liberate the lowest income people from, from the predatory rent seeking of the traditional financial system. What you described. Congressman, um, sorry. Um, you mentioned that Gary Gensler is a, a traffic officer who's enforcing the speed limit without actually telling what this people what the speed limit is. Isn't that Congress's role to? to tell people what the speed limit is or to inf or to create the speed limits on the roads. And isn't that the SEC's role to then uh, almost say police or enforce the speed limit? So isn't the problem not actually, you know, maybe the problem is maybe one level up? I mean, I, I agree with you. The role of Congress, of a legislature, is to make, make the law. The role of the executive is to execute or enforce the law. And the role of the courts is to interpret the law. But what I said in my remarks during the hearing is that we, we Congress, have ceded far too much authority to the courts and to the regulators. 
like the, the, the view of some of my colleagues is that we should leave it to the courts and the regulators to figure out, figure it out. And my view is that Congress should be at the forefront of making the law, especially when it comes to an emerging technology like blockchain. Wouldn't it, wouldn't the courts only need to act if there was nothing from Congress? I mean, the court is almost like there to say, look, we're enforcing the rules and the laws that Congress make. So, I mean, court can't really act. They can only act on the, on the, um, on the guidelines that they've been given by Congress. Isn't, isn't that how it works? Well, no, uh, the courts would, so th there's a debate about how do traditional securities laws apply to a new technology like digital assets. And there are conflicting interpretations of securities law when it comes to digital assets. And so the, the Ripple case actually had an ironic outcome. Uh, the Judge Torres in the Southern District of New York essentially held that securities law protects institutional investors in an initial coin offering, but it fails to protect retail customers on an exchange. Uh, and so, so, so we have a status quo in which institutional investors are protected, but retail customers are left exposed. And my argument is that we in Congress have a choice. We can either maintain a status quo that leaves retail customers exposed, or we can change it and fill that gap in investor protection. And I, w I would argue that we should err on the side of change. I would love to dig a bit more into the bipartisan side of this, because as you so aptly put, this should be a huge issue for the progressives, but it seems that the farther left side of your party, um, of, of the Democrat party, obviously, has been the ones encouraging this regulation by enforcement and all the pushback. Obviously, Elizabeth Warren's anti-crypto army, some rhetoric even from President Biden. Why do you think that the part of the left, I would say, is not understanding how impactful this technology could be for constituents like your own. I, I might disagree with the premise of the question. Uh, my, my assessment is that the divide on crypto is not so much ideological or partisan as it is generational. I find that younger members like myself are much more open to embracing the innovative possibilities of crypto and 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 you know one of the challenges one of the problems with congress is that it's a gerontocracy um you know until recently all of our leaders were at or above the age of 80 our committee chairs are at or above the age of 70 and i find that the gerontocracy in congress is much more xenophobic about technology there's a fear of the unknown there's a fear of change i think that's an incredible point and so and, and well put. So how do we solve that problem? And, and I'm not an ageist, but, but I do feel like Congress would benefit from a new generation of leadership. Um, and I find younger voters are, are just have a, the right intuitions about the, the centrality of technology. To me, that means that we should all be encouraged because whether it takes a year, five years, or 10, that means it's inevitable because eventually, obviously, we'll see regime change as far as age. I agree. As, as Congress becomes younger, I predict that it will become more open to embracing emerging technology. That's my prediction. But, but before we let you go, I know you only have a few more moments. Can you give us a quick summary of what was happening with the stablecoin bill? Because obviously it got a, a lot of the attention, but we had two bills that were both concurrently happening yesterday. Yeah, so we passed um, bipartisan legislation 
uh, that would establish a framework for regulating stable coins. And the most controversial issue in stable coins was the state path. Um, so the Federal Reserve felt strongly that there should be federal preemption, that only the Federal Reserve should be a regulator of stable coins. And there were a number of members like myself who disagreed uh, because there's a long tradition of dual regulation, federal and state regulation in the field of financial services. Uh, you know, just like a bank can either have a federal charter or a state charter, uh, a stablecoin issuer should have either a federal license or a state license. And we should preserve the role of states like New York uh, in the field of stablecoin regulation. So that was the main controversial issue. But we passed it on a bipartisan basis. And I argue that this is going to reinforce the status of the dollar as a world reserve currency. Uh, uh, Congressman, I've got uh, two more quick questions. The first one is, what can see um, the various stakeholders in crypto do to help you uh, pass those bills? That'll be the first question. And then the second question, I'll ask them both together because I know you have to jump off. Second question is to get your thoughts on the um, your experience here on Twitter Spaces where you're able to share updates live and get the community listening to you directly. So we'd love to get your personal thoughts on that as well. Look, I, I, I encourage the, the, the crypto community has an extraordinary groundswell of energy. Like the grassroots energy is extraordinary. But we have to figure out how do we translate that energy into an effective lobby in Washington, D.C. And so I would encourage members of the crypto community to engage their members of Congress. You know, we passed both the market structure bill and the stablecoin bill in the financial services committee in the House. It's going to come to the floor. It's going to be subject to a vote of the full House. And so I would encourage you to reach out to your members of Congress and make the case for those two bills, um, because the broader the bipartisan support, the better. Uh, and then reach out to your senators, because the bills are going to have a complicated path in the Senate, given the opposition that you cited earlier. Thank you, Congressman, so much for your time. I know that you have to go. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And uh, we will be doing all that we can to get everybody be able to help us through. I think it's always encouraging to hear one of our representatives tell us that we actually have a voice and that we actually can help. So I encourage everybody to do exactly what he said, and that is do what I do uh, on a regular basis, which is annoy my uh, Congress people and constantly with uh, letters. Uh, thank you so much for your time, sir. Take care. Great. Uh, obviously, I see, uh, David, you have your hand up. I don't know if you had a specific comment, but please feel free to go ahead. Well, I just wanted to say um, I'm, I'm uh, unhappy that the, the, you know, the representative had to run, uh, but I really wanted to thank him uh, because he is one of the standout members of Congress that has really done his homework uh, about crypto, um, and he has made an educated position uh, on the matter. And and I think there's a lot of members of Congress, unfortunately, uh, that have not taken the time to educate themselves about this. And I'm not simply saying that because of how he's falling out on the matter in terms of his support. Um, he really knows uh, he in his hearings. I, I've watched many of them. Uh, he has asked very intelligent questions um, and has really been a thoughtful voice uh, for support for the crypto community. David, on that point, before you go to number two, like, do you think it's too little too yeah. late? Like, do, do you think that the damage done by by Gensler 
uh, has just scared everyone out of the US and it'll take us a while to get uh, innovators, to get creators, to get builders and investors back into the country? I don't, I don't think it's too late. Um, I think it's late, uh, but you know that's the way we work here in the United States for better and for worse sometimes. Um, that we've got a, a system that requires, you know, generally consensus. Um, and, you know, it takes time for things to wind their way through, uh, you know, the Congress. They've got a lot of, of things that they need to go ahead and take care of. And uh, they have limited bandwidth. And at the same time, unfortunately, sometimes when we're in election years, uh, there's really not much that gets done and we get a lot of gridlock. So, it is what it is. I don't think it's the short answer is I don't think it's too late. Um, I think it's a good step. Certainly, this isn't a panacea, and I don't know if this is going to go. David, you dropped out. Yeah, I lost it, but I wasn't sure. Dan, Dan, I want to. Hey, Dan, guys, for anybody who doesn't know Dan Fuller, who is here, he's the one who's been helping me extremely aggressively on behalf of the Blockchain Association to get uh, a lot of these amazing politicians we've had suarez coming next monday by the way for anybody who doesn't know at 10 15 we're gonna have a solo show with mayor francis suarez who's also running for president dan facilitated that and obviously uh, uh torres today so we got to go to you hey thank you but e, first what do you think of his thoughts and and second obviously at the blockchain association you're probably closer to all of this on both sides of the do you feel like we're going to make real progress here? This is the first time that I think there's really a glimmer of hope. I think we are making progress. And again, thanks, Scott, um, Mario, for, for... Did Dan just drop out as well, Scott? Yeah, I, I did. Dan, I think someone someone called you as well. Uh, while waiting for yeah, uh, Dan to do the the uh, uh, the, the success... Uh, um, success uh, rally for regard of victory man. victory yeah exactly. you, you, you knew what i'm trying to say success rally <laughs> uh, i want to go back to david who got out earlier david i'll let you finish what you're saying before we go back to dan david dan all right seems space is a glitchy today alex go ahead man well i can't take a victory lap from the blockchain association but uh there is a glimmer of hope i know you said is it too little too late i agree with david in the u.s and things just take time um, I know we have Cody Carbone on here. He's our policy director. He's been on the ground. I think we, over the last month, we visited 25 congressional offices, specifically Democrats to get them on board. Uh, Richie Torres is, is a wonderful advocate of the space. But uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic. The U.S. gets it right. We're working hard, along with the Bakshi Association, obviously, uh, to uh, to make sure that these things pass, these, these laws pass. We have a long path ahead of us in the Senate uh, like the representative talked about. But look, guys, we're optimistic. The point is, and I try to hammer this point home all the time, the time to fight for the industry is now. The U.S. is the biggest market in the world. We can get the U.S. right. So the time to get engaged, there is no, we need to have a little bit of a man in the mirror moment. Like look yourself in the mirror, look yourself in the eye and say, if you believe in crypto and you, you're buying it for whatever reason you're here, you know, have you done all that you can do? And if the answer is no, and you can do more, call a representative, donate, support, uh, you know, spread some of the policy news that us, Lockjaw Association, others are doing. It's very, very important. It's really, really important to come together as an industry right now. There is no other time. 
just I just I wonder I don't it's want good. to it's good it's good but it's good to see that I, I don't know if you feel it's got like just there's a sentiment is just shifting we're seeing those two bills get closer to passing we saw the XRP ruling as well <clears throat> just a few weeks ago we're all doom and gloom with the with Gensler and the SEC um so I'm pretty optimistic man it seems pretty bullish even though the prices don't show don't don't reflect that the prices the prices look I mean I, the prices will come right um the bull market is I, I won't comment though but it's probably probably starting right but it takes some time the point is in the u.s we need regulation for the institutions to come in we are blockchain association others are working to get that regulation i want to what's that's in place alexa i I, I just want to on on that point of price like dave mickle when do you think we start seeing that this all impact the market like we we obviously saw the xrp um ruling uh benefit a lot of the else um but that was relatively short-lived um I didn't see much movement with those two bills getting closer to passing. Any thoughts on that, Mikkel, Dave? I don't know if Scott, you want to add on to that as well. Yeah, I was just going to say real quick, I, I'm optimistic on the United States for the two main reasons. Is one, the courts seem to be getting it right, and the courts are not just blindly accepting what the regulators are saying. And two, the legislation that's being passed is coming from people who are pro-crypto, and that's one of the benefits of how this whole system works. The people who are anti-crypto just simply don't care enough or aren't smart enough to actually write these bills that can actually hurt the industry, or they're just too lazy to actually put their time and effort into that. The people who care about this industry and the people who want to see it prosper are the ones creating the legislation right now, and I think that's really bullish for what we're going to see when we finally do get rules passed for this industry. And uh, David, I'm not sure if you're with us yet. Uh, I know you cut out earlier. Is it working now on your end, David? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, David. Yeah, I know you've got. I know you had more things to say, but can I ask you just for people that weren't there earlier? Can you just sum up what do these two bills do for the average investor, or the average builder um, here in the US? David. Yeah, I don't want to be the guy that comments on that. Frankly, uh, I, 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 I am. I will leave that to somebody else. No problem. Uh, and I'll let you. I'll give you the mic because I know you cut out earlier before we go to Dave and Ron. Oh no! I, the only thing I was going to ask Representative Torres was why under the bill is the default to the SEC, and then if something gets decentralized enough, gets kicked over to the CFTC, especially in light of the difficulty that he. he I mean, he called it out very loudly the difficulty that he has with the way Gensler has run um, his approach uh, to regulating the sector, it would seem to me that, you know, if the bill passes and the default is to this SEC um, and needs to be taken out only upon sufficient decentralization, it's going to be a land grab by the SEC. And I wonder if that's disappointing to him. And Ron, are you with us? Yep, yeah. Have, yep. you, have you looked into those bills? How much do you know about them? Uh, we blockchain association, uh, and I saw the digital chamber of commerce folks, and and plenty of others, and actually some of them are on the Twitter space. Uh, were involved uh, behind the scenes on the legislation for quite. Some time. So the question I want to I want to ask you is the same one I asked David is is can you repeat again? I know I know uh, Congressman talked about it earlier. Is what does that mean for the average builder? Um, what how will that benefit uh, the U.S.? It's kind of simplifying it for the yeah. U.S. Yeah, sure thing. So, I mean, at a high level here, it provides that clarity. I mean, we talked about the SEC's role and the CFTC's role, but as we were talking about right now, it is a land grab currently because there really are no rules in place. Uh, the SEC isn't providing guidance, um, and we have enforcement actions that really overlap with each other with certain agencies calling certain things commodities and then calling the same thing securities with the SEC. So this provides bright line rules, and that's important. And I think 
yes, the SEC has a role here. Um, you know, the, again, sometimes there's a situation that these are securities, uh, but we've seen them move over to commodities or we see a situation where they become decentralized. And so I think it's a really important thing to have. Again, it's not perfect by any means, but it's a really good right line test that provides that clarity that we just currently don't have. Uh, and again, I want to stress six Democrats in financial services bucked the leadership in their own party to vote for this bill. And also they bucked uh, the SEC's talking points that there's no need for legislation. That's huge. And these are progressives, moderates, and very senior Democrats too. And I think that's a very important thing to highlight. when We have folks like Jim Himes who have a lot of respect to their colleagues. And I think it gives it a, some legs in the Senate, but it's going to be a long pathway as out. So, so interesting. So, so one big benefit that we're going to get is that the clarity of when something's a security and when it's a commodity, correct? Which has been a battle for years now. Exactly. And again, it's not looking like it's going to improve anytime soon. And the uh, hope that there's only uh, regulation by enforcement here, that could end with this legislation. Again, it still has a long ways to go, but this is the first time we've seen good bipartisan legislation and the Congress that really passes any bills these days, this is good bipartisan. Is that common to see that land grab between the CFTC and the SEC and, and that lack of clarity in other industries that are nascent? Did we see that in the in the internet era, for example, between uh, different institutions? It, yes, we did. And we saw actually the Democrats were actually on the pro-internet side and Republicans were anti-internet back in the 90s. Uh, we'll see how this plays out with AI. Most, uh, you know, That's kind of starting to percolate right now. Uh, but mind you, again, we were going against the banks, the consumer groups, the SEC, the White House, and the crypto industry got actually several wins here in terms of bipartisan support. Again, like there is putting regulations on the industry itself, which some may not like, but that's what you know it looks like for progress. This is what we need for a framework. You got to put rules on the uh, on the books that have not existed, and so uh, the industry got several wins here. That's a lot of years of efforts here and good staff work, uh, and the members of Congress educating themselves. To your point, uh, the last thing I'll highlight: I was at the hearing. Uh, for both of them for quite some time uh, is that you'll see the ones who were actually pro the uh, the regulation uh, framework were actually not even reading from a script. They were well educated enough to talk about this on the fly. Uh, those who had to defend the uh, SEC talking points had to really just read off the page um, because they weren't uh, educated enough to really defend their own uh, points. And so I think it's really important. Richie Torres, when he spoke, it was always off script. He was always talking about it from passion. Um, and it was really exciting to see. And again, Republicans, very much so as, as well. We see a lot of education really paying off. And the, the next question I have, Ron, is, um, man, I just, I just uh, I had one more question to you before going to Dave. I just, crossed, I just uh, forgot what it was. Um, let me let me go to Dave, Ron. I had one more question about the bill, um, but I'll ask you right, well, right, after, right after Dave speaks. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I want to answer your question directly. I mean, the reason the price isn't moving is that we're now stuck in you know, in a, in a situation where the long-term believers and holders in Bitcoin, et cetera, are increasing, increasing, increasing. It's one of the most ridiculous up to the right charts you'll ever see. Uh, yet the speculation is dying down because every time speculators FOMO in, nobody follows them and the price comes back down. And that it's, it, people call that a coiled spring. But if you think, if you listen to what Ron was just saying, you understand why. I mean, you know, there was the news last night that the White House specifically was objecting to the stablecoin bill. They passed it out of committee anyway. Uh, there, there is obviously the issue that the SEC will be involved. They're going to be involved. Now, they're going to be forced not to do regulation by enforcement, forced to write rules. But people who understand and have read any piece of the 2,000 plus pages of rules that the SEC has put out in the last six months understand that the devil's in the details. And they can hold this up 
from rulemaking to where people get clarity for quite some time. So there, it's it's not out of the woods yet. It is, however, a massively positive step to do not enforcement because it means builders can at least start. And the safe harbor is a very big deal. When and if that gets passed, yeah, that will be a very big deal. But I think people in the market at this point are conditioned to say, eh, I'm not going to speculate. I'm going to wait for it, the ink to be dry. And I think that's why the market is doing what it's doing in a certain sense. And I think they're also waiting for one potential positive white swan and one black swan event, right? You know, we don't talk about it, but the DOJ and Binance is the potential black swan and an ETF approval from BlackRock and Fidelity is a white swan. Mm. And people are just waiting. And that's why we're stuck where we are. Yeah. I remember the question, Ron, and, and something I'm always confused about. It's like everything is getting polarized. How the hell did this become Democrats versus Republicans and why? Actually, I wouldn't say it was Democrats versus Republicans. Uh, I, I say that you know there was the lead Democrat, which is Maxine Waters, um, for the stablecoin bill, for example, and she's going to defer to the regulators, you know, the, the experts, the subject matter experts here. Um, and allegedly, again, she almost got onto the uh, stablecoin bill if it wasn't for that literally midnight call from the White House uh, and the NEC, it seemed like, to uh, push back on that. Uh, but even again, again uh, even though she was the lead Democrat, usually you follow the lead in the House. You follow the, you defer to the, chairwoman or the chairman uh, of your party, uh, five get senior members of the Democrat party bucked that on stable coins and six on market structure. So, uh, and then for the agriculture committee, uh, which is important to highlight, they voted that with, by voice vote. They all said, yes, let's move this forward, all Democrats and all Republicans. So I wouldn't say actually it's a Democrat versus Republican issue. It's actually been pretty bipartisan here. And the ones that bucked their own party on the Democrat side, especially deserve a lot of praise because politically that's really tough. You, you, you get some political backlash um, when you do that. And they said, I'll, I'll take the political backlash to show that, hey, this is not working. The status quo isn't. Um, and whether you like crypto or hate crypto, we need to have a regulatory framework. And that message is resonating. And we've seen this again and again. The SEC is losing the narrative war very badly. They had a, a, a moment in 2023 in the early parts of really dominating. And they are slipping in the courts. They're slipping in Congress. And I think that's going to continue for quite some time. Uh, the legislation's slow, but as we've seen with the Ripple case, if there is an appeal, that's going to be several more years too. So uh, I think legislation might be the fastest way, uh, even though it is slow sometimes. And Cody, the, the, uh, I know you've got your hand up, but I want to ask you a question before you make your points as well. Is, um, like, just looking at this, all the news that we've seen over the past uh, few weeks and months, it just seems bullish on top of bullish news, yet liquidity is still not there. VC funding is still drying up. Just today I saw that Sequoia reduced their crypto fund from like five hundred, from like I think it was like five hundred to two hundred million, from five hundred and eighty million to two hundred million. Yet we see regulatory clarity. We see the CDSEC getting bruised, especially with the XRP ruling. Um, obviously we've got um, Wall Street getting into crypto, the ETF, and all the big guys uh, jumping in, especially BlackRock. Um, why that disparity? Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I, I think the issue is that people have gotten burned too many times. We've had so many moments throughout the history of crypto where we've had a string of good news, but then it's not followed up by regulatory clarity. And while we still have these good news in the courts and we have these, you know, this legislation moving forward and we're taking a victory lap, we still have a very long way to go. Nothing has happened yet. You know, I was a little discouraged yesterday that even though these bills have moved forward, I spent my time with the Chamber of Digital Commerce talking to members that were off the House Ag and House um, Financial Services Committee. Another 400 members in the House who are not focused on these issues every day. And the sentiment and the narratives that we see, received from those members of Congress were, wait, isn't crypto dead? Like, we're still talking about this. 
And so there's still so much education that needs to be done outside of the members of these two committees who focus on this every day. Yes, now these bills have gone through, but now it's open to the entire House to vote through these bills. So if we truly want to see passage and we want to see laws enacted, then we're going to have to educate the rest of the committees because there's so much work left to be done. There's They're following their talking points, not from members of their own party, not from the administration, but they're following talking points from the media who just reports on the SBS of the world. And I'll add one point that Ron added um, on you know the polarization of this and Democrats versus Republicans. I think one thing to always keep in mind is that Democrats are very protective of the administration. And although the SEC and the CFTC are independent agencies, they were still Democratic appointees by the Biden administration. So when you've got a Democratic head of an agency and Gary Gensler saying, I do not like this bill, it is very, very unique for members of the Democratic Party to go against him. And I think that's what we're seeing, that even though the courts are kind of, you know, pinning him down a little bit, and it's waking up and motivating some Democrats in the side of the aisle, as we saw with the six who supported the FIT bill, it's going to be very hard for the party as a consensus to you know, oppose one of their own. Noel, good to have you. Noel, can you hear me? Sorry, I did. I hit the wrong button oh. there. Um, great, to, great to be here, Meredith. Thank you very much. Thanks. Um, I want to follow on with what you were talking about, why crypto is not reacting to this. First of all, I do want to say that I generally don't follow too close. I mean, I keep an eye on it, but I, I don't get excited about a lot of the regulatory proposals um, around crypto going forward because there's a lot of noise, a lot of noise and nothing much happens. But this is the first time I am getting really excited. I've never been so excited. Huge, um, huge kudos to everyone here today who's helped make that happen. Huge respect to Representative Torres for his role in this. On the timing, Representative Torres said, and many others have reiterated, it takes a long time, which is why we are not seeing any move in the price just yet. Everyone realizes they've got time. Plus, there's still quite a lot of risk. There are shoes to drop, as Dave was hinting, many more even that we're not even talking about. And there is still no certainty that we're going to get the ETF approval. Volume is low, liquidity is low, and that is a significant risk for institutional investors. It adds the slippage risk if they were to come in, definitely the exit liquidity risk were they to decide to leave. I don't think we're going to see price moves at uh, an, an interesting level until volume, liquidity, and volatility start to tick up. It's summer. It's unlikely it's going to happen any time in the next few weeks. And Ryan, uh, since we're talking about price, are you there? Before I go to Leo. Sure, hey, man, sure, give, us, give us a bit of a market update, man. Like, it, it, it's surprisingly, uh, we kind of lost uh, the game. Mario, and... Mario, I, can't, I can't even give you a pricing update because it's just so boring. It's like, take yesterday's update, the update from the day before, and update from the day before. An update from the day before, an update from the day before, and it's all exactly the no, same. But what if you what if you take what if you take more steps back? You go back all the way to the ETF news that we've been covering for the past few weeks. Yeah, I mean the price the price the price has been hovering between twenty nine thousand and thirty thousand thirty one thousand now for forty days, um, and uh, there's really 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 not much happening. I think uh, I think you know the volatility is at an all time low again. It just keeps going lower and lower and lower. There's just zero volatility. Um, and I think the market's waiting for directions. I mean, we can't just argue this debate again, but to me, when everybody's expecting the market to go down, which is what 80% of, of, of people are expecting, I think that's when the market actually shocks people and goes up. Um, 
traditional markets generally flying and uh you know it doesn't look like they're gonna stop anytime and leia how are you i'm great thanks for having me Larry. it's been a while um i want to get your thoughts on uh, just general sentiment on the industry and all the news we've been seeing over the past few weeks and months and also on a slowly pivot to the news yesterday around uh SBF. I'm glad David's here as well. Um, I'm not sure if you've been following the case closely, but I know yesterday's uh, announcement was a bit shocking. So maybe you give us some thoughts on um, uh, the market in general and your sentiment and then uh, pivot to, to the news around SBF. Yeah, absolutely. So just uh, on the regulation front, because um, obviously, you know, that's what we've been talking about. We heard the news with um, XRP. I think, I'm not sure who mentioned it earlier, but America is certainly taking its time when it comes to um, providing some clarity for the crypto world. And I think it's quite concerning just because America has this mentality that it's always at the forefront of innovation. The world's going to follow America. America is this superpower. But I think they're just so arrogant, unfortunately. I think regulators are extremely arrogant and not realizing that we live in a new digital world and people don't really need to be situated in America you know, we can do business with Americans, we can do business with anyone anywhere in the world, but we don't have to be situated there. And so as they prolong this clarity and as they prolong the regulation, they're just going to be pushing more and more innovation offshore. Um, and, and that is and that's what we're seeing anyway, which causes further problems. And so that's my that's my biggest concern with all of this. It's it's that America is going to fall behind dramatically you know we still don't have clarity over the the spot etf i can't remember who mentioned that earlier um and so it, it's that lack of clarity which i think is going to push a lot of people um offshore um in terms of uh sbf i don't know whether i'm surprised or if i'm uh or whether it's expected um but it's just taken them so long to um to to i'm trying to think of the word it's just taken them so long to actually crack down on what's happened that it just doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, I made a tweet about how Ross Ulbricht made a website and he's been given two life sentences. Somebody steals millions um, from retail from retail traders and is, is basically just given a slap on the wrist. I guess that's what happens when you donate uh, $93 million to Democrats. So. Yeah, I think it's even, Leia, what do you think, Leia, what do you think uh, is the fate of SPF when, when all this is said and done? How do you see his sentence playing out? Certainly not two life sentences. I did think that I would see two life sentences at first, but no, I think it's going to be a bit of a slap on the wrist, unfortunately. What do you think, Matt? What do you think? Six months six months, and six months house arrest? Or, I mean, would you think I'm being too too harsh? No, I think you're completely right. I think, yes, six months in jail. Six no, why, where, right, right, hold on. Wait, why'd you get six months jail? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe just house arrest. Hold on, man. No, no, I'm not, that's not what I mean. Why only six months? Like, you know, there's still seven charges around fraud left. Well, I think, as I said the other day when we were here on the spaces, uh, it's seven, seven becomes six, six becomes five, five becomes four. But right now it's still seven. But right now it's still seven. Yeah. I think and they've dropped two, right? Two out of seven. Two out of nine, yes. Okay. What about two? We were only in the first inning. David, David, is it? Is it? Sorry, Ryan. Just want to on that particular point that Ryan is saying that we've dropped two already. We could keep dropping them. Is it common to have two charges like the following? The the ones we saw with uh, Sam dropped. Is that something a common occurrence, or you know, are we going down the conspiracy side? Or Ross Ulbricht didn't get two charges dropped against him. How many charges did he have? I don't remember, but it wasn't that many. I'm gonna check it out. 
And then you also have to compare the difference in what they did. Ross Ulbricht created a website. He created a free market. Of course, then for criminals to do as they wish, but he just created a free market. Whereas this guy actually stole millions, or was it billions, I think, sorry, um, you know, from the average person and then donated that money to the Democrats. And then I believe they still haven't, they haven't given that money back, right? That they're just still sitting on it. I think, yes, yeah, some of them did. Most of them didn't. Um, but he did. There's okay, a 14-day refund policy at Walmart, friends. You can't get your money back after 14 So, so hold on. I've got... Um, okay, so so Ross Ulbricht, um, he had ten charges, seven charges and then three added afterwards. He was found guilty on all seven charges, so none of them were dropped. They were originally filed against him. And then the three additional ones were dropped before trial. And he was sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole. Um, just quickly, just check uh, on the same article. Just just check how much Ross uh, uh, Ross Ulbricht donated to the Democrats. Uh, okay. Uh, so the charges that he faced were engaging in continuing in a continuing criminal enterprise, distributing narcotics, distributing narcotics by means of the internet, conspiracy to distribute narcotics, conspiracy to commit money laundering, conspiracy to traffic fraudulent identity documents, conspiracy to commit computer hacking. So he essentially created the website. He was. It seems he was blamed for whatever's on the website. I need to look further into the case. It's been a long time. David, um, have you? I don't know if you know much about Ross's case. I'm probably you're more in, you're more on top of uh, Sam's one. I want to get your thoughts. Like, do you agree with the general narrative that the donations play a role? Because I remember having those debates back during the FTX space, and I was one of the few that says I don't think the charges will have much impact, considering how big the crime is and the world is watching. Um, am I the naive one, or am I? Uh, am I uh, David Silver? Am I? Am I? Um, Am I the logical one? <laughs> First of all, thanks for having me back. It's been a while, you know. I had to decompress a little bit after the, all the ripple rounds, but uh, no, I mean, anyone would have to be insane. You know, this is just simple. If you lay with dogs, you get fleas. Politicians do not want to be investigated for the hundred million dollars he funneled into donations over the last three years. So I think it's totally the money. It's totally the 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 politicians, the Department of Justice, this would be such a mess for everybody when they unwound and see who got the $100 million. First of all, he wasn't just bribing the Democrats, he was bribing the Republicans. It was both parties. This was bad for everybody. But how the one, yes, they drop charges all the time. So that's not unusual. What's a little bit unusual here is it's not really the Department of Justice who dropped this charge. And I said, by the way, I thought this was the most lethal charge of all of them. But they're saying that they're only dropping this because the Bahamas are saying as part of the extradition agreement, they have approval of what charges get brought. So to me, there's so much weirdness here. Um, and there's so many people who didn't want to see these particular charges go through. This is not shocking. Uh, the only thing I will say, he's spending a lot more time than six months in jail. Uh, we're not seeing six months in six months. So I think that was Brandy. Come on, Dave. Come on, Dave. Come on, Dave. Tell me, tell me how much money. Tell me how much time Sam Bankman-Fried's going to spend in jail. I want to, and I want to, I want to remember this. I want to, I want to get. This. I'm telling you, he's not spending more than six months in the jail. He may be sentenced to, I don't know, twelve months or eighteen months or three years or whatever, but he'll get out on good behavior and he'll be out in six months. Hold on, David. David, don't fall for this trap. Don't give a number yet. Ran. I, I, what? I want to give you a different argument. Let me know what you think. Don't politicians want to distance themselves? Don't politicians don't want they don't want to get involved in this mess? Why would they be sticking up for a guy that's that's a criminal that everyone's hating right now? 
Because Mario, I mean, for a guy for a guy that's been doing spaces for a long time, I would imagine that you know exactly what's going on here. I mean, I, I would imagine this is not your first time seeing what's going on here. This is a pure case of corruption. This is a pure case of you give the Democrats money, you cannot get charged. It's a say. It, it, it's like I watch what's going on in the United States as an outsider. And but I, there's still I, there's still seven charges, and only two of them were dropped. He was extradited. People were saying, but the argument, hold on. The argument back then was like, hey, he won't get extradited. They'll never extradite him. He'll be in Bahamas. He'll end up in whatever country, and he'll he'll be in hiding, like whatever the, the Luna guy. Um, say a little monkey sitting on the wall, and if one little monkey should accidentally fall, there'll be six charges, there'll be five charges, and then there'll be four, and then he'll be tried for four, and you know, four they will fall. But you're not you're not asking the round round. You're not asking the question. You're avoiding the question. Though, why would they dirty themselves? That a, a criminal funded them, a criminal that's hated that the world is watching, all eyes on them. The last thing they want is a text message or a call leaked in which they're trying to influence the investigation. Their career is over. Why not distance themselves and just throw them to the wolves? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because Daddy, uh, Daddy and Gary Gensler are, are, have very close ties. Daddy and Gary Gensler's ex-boss have very close ties. Mommy has very close ties. But with, close uh, ties. With other close ties. Just, they only go so far. They only go so Look far. at what's going on in the chat here and how many hundreds of people are yep. here. Because Ryan is correct. No, because you're, you're following. Gideon, I'll, I'll give you the mic right after because you're a really good speaker and it's going to be hard for me to argue with you. Ryan's a bit easier and he's nicer. Um, so, Ryan, the reason everyone is giving you a thumbs up is because you're... You're saying something that everyone believes in. And I could say the same thing, also get thumbs up. But I genuinely believe, and I could be wrong. And again, I could be the naive one here. I genuinely believe that Sam fucked up so badly that they're not going to touch this. It was, if it was a small... Who fucked up worse? Who fucked up worse? Sam or Hunter Biden with a laptop? Who fucked up worse? Yeah, but you're comparing the son of a president to a random crypto guy that made a bunch of money. It's a bit different. It's not a random crypto guy, Mario. Yeah, they're both insiders. They're both, they're both, they're one they're is both, the son of a president. The one is the son of a sitting president. They're in the inner circle. They're in the club and you're not in it. And none of us are Hi, Mario. Hi, Mario. Hey, Gideon. How are you? Yeah, very good. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. I think Ryan is hitting the nail on the head and I was waiting for it to get to this conversation. At the end of the day, I don't believe SBF will spend any time in jail because he's part of the secret club. He's in the homogeneous network. No, he will spend some time. No, no, time I don't think he will spend some time. He's in the whole room. But the jail will be a jail. It feels like a college door. Hold on, this is kind of the Mario Spade show. Yeah, it is. It is his show as much as mine, unfortunately. So we have to we have to bear with it, Gideon. <laughs> unfortunately. Hold on. So can I just finish my point, please? He's in the homogeneous network. And what that means is he's very, very connected. If something were to happen where he does get sentenced and he's in some kind of jail, it's going to disrupt so many relationships. His family's very wealthy and connected. They're not going to let this happen to him. The whole Luna situation with convicting um, Do Kwon, that's slightly different. He's nowhere near as connected as the SBS family. And it will just destroy many relationships. When you're in the homogeneous network, you can get away with murder. It's crazy. And we see that with so many other huge players on Wall Street. He's just another classic example. So I don't think he'll spend any time. They'll just drag this out until the media find something else to talk about and shove that down all our throats. That and then one weekend when there, and one weekend when there is a war that the US orchestrate that on the Friday before the weekend and all the PR that gets arranged 
on that Friday, quietly, the judge will drop two more. Wow. Hold on. Ran, ran. I was about to have a slam dunk against you and Gideon. I was so happy. I was preparing myself. And I'm like, how much did Bernard Madoff, Bernie Madoff, donate to uh, politicians? And uh, with uh, Sam, it's tens of millions. I'm like, I'm sure Madoff's going to be more. No joke. The total donated, unless uh, Bard is wrong, um, Google's chat GPT, the total donated was less than half a million dollars to federal candidates, parties, and committees. Bernie Madoff can learn from Bernie Madoff could have learned from using using how much they donated to the politicians versus dark money that went in. So the amount of money they donated to individual politicians is going to sound very small. I think Sam only donated because you're capped at like $2,500, $5,000 a candidate, depending on elections. It's the dark money that Sam put in through his mom, ran an organization. They He donated the $40, $50 million to the third party. So like when you watch a commercial... And it's not a candidate commercial. It's an outside business commercial. You can donate as much money as you want. So there's a- What about the COVID vaccine? What about the COVID vaccine campaign? What about the donations made to the COVID vaccinations campaign? Do you remember that? The SBF donations to the, the, the COVID vaccine research. Do you remember that? Well, that's, How's that's, that's dark. Yeah, that's dark money. So the amount of money you have to look up for- uh, for how much Bernie made off them, but David, so there's an, you've given me my so you've given me my slam dunk because now I can say to Gideon and Rand is like, hey, Madoff was even more powerful than SBF, and he ended up spending his life in jail. The, the slam dunk, Mario, which I think you're right about, but I think but the slam dunk is simple. This charge, and David Silver is the one who taught us this. He said this many times. This charge that got dropped, the discovery that would have gone along with this charge would have been unbelievably embarrassing to a huge swath of politicians. And so to the extent that they can distance him and throw him under the bus, which they do need to do, and you can see it in a lot of other things, they just want to throw them under the bus without the bus running themselves over. And I think that's what's going on here, right? I mean, David, am I crazy? No, it's 100% exactly what's going on. This would have been bad for not just Democrats, but Republicans too. This was bad for everybody. He wasn't there's the, in what did I get the movie? You know, it's that like, you know, some old guy's running for like Congress and the guy loses the election. He's like, I understand. I was, he paid me. I don't understand why he ruined my campaign. It's because the bad guy was paying off both candidates and he didn't care who won. Sam's the same way. SBF was paying off both sides. This would be so embarrassing. Everyone wanted to walk away from this. David, part. can I ask you, David, can I ask you a quick question before we go to, to uh, David uh, uh, Tawil? How corrupt is the judicial system? Because I obviously I cover a lot of topics and, and I generally get guests that are very critical, especially with what we're seeing with Trump and others over the last few months. Um, I, I, I know there's corruption. I think you'd be an idiot to think there is no corruption. But is it as corrupt as people make it out to be, especially um, the, the claims we're making in the crypto world around SBF? Like can SBF spend a few tens of millions and he's got pretty much full immunity no matter how badly he fucked up? Because that sounds to me really far-fetched. Like we're talking about the US here. We're not talking about some random um, poorer country. I had dinner with Michael Turpin Wednesday night and Michael was making the pitch about how corrupt the judges were. And I guess call me naive, call me optimistic. I said, absolutely not. I am not buying that the judges can be bought and paid for here. Are there going to be a couple of bad eggs out here? Sure, maybe. But there's no way in this instance the judge is being... There's no way. I don't believe it. 
Um, and, you know, as much as I've become a conspiracy theorist a little bit over the last couple of years, there's no way in this instance that we're going to see in these high-profile cases that judges can be bought off. What do you mean you agree, man? I mean, Mario, you made an interesting point about Bernie Madoff versus SBF. You said Bernie Madoff stole way more money, and that's true. I think it was like $80 billion. The difference, in my opinion, versus uh, Bernie Madoff versus SBF, Bernie Madoff pissed off way more bigger players. He had money from all the banks around the world, both City of London, Wall Street. He had all the pension funds. He had so many wealthy retire, uh, retirees in Florida who put all their money with him. SBF had retail money mainly. That's who he had. He had my money. He had your money. He had the average Joe. So they don't. And, the, and here's the thing. The prosecutors, the, uh, the regulatory bodies, they don't give a fuck about the average Joe. If He's credible, how smart get you in your Her dance a charity. If you be a getting a U.S. citizen, they will come off, but they don't care when you take average Joe's money. So that's why SBF will not face the wrath Bernie Madoff faced. That was incredible, how smart get you in Randy, you can't, you can't agree. Randy, you can't agree. You can't agree. David, uh, I'm going to give you the mic, Mr. Tawil. But you can't agree with both uh, Mr. Silver and Gideon. And they, they both made different points, Rand. You're playing both sides just like a politician, Rand. Gideon, Gideon, Gideon's absolutely right, Jake. Gideon's absolutely right, Jake. He knows how the game... You know, the difference here is Gideon's not not afraid to... He's not he's not sucked into the system. He's an outsider. Oh, don't play that card. Don't play that card. Sorry. I don't know. I know because I was there, Mario. On on the beach. I'm just watching the game. He watches it. I see. He's watching it, and he's got he's got clarity exactly about the game that is being played. Most Americans don't. None of us. Right. None, none, none of us have any eyes to the game, and and we try to. We try to. To, 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 to dissect the limited information we have, but unless you're behind the scenes, unless you're talking to those people, unless you are Sam or those close to him, I don't think we'll ever know. But like my, my question and David uh, Tawil, I'm going to give you the mic, but like if you, and I know we're digressing, but it's such an interesting conversation. If you look at Epstein, for example, he, he you know, we both, I think we all agree that he was more powerful than Sam. Um, yet he was thrown to the wolves, even worse than ending up in jail. Ending up in jail. Because he had big people around him. He was big people around him. He wasn't retail investor Mickey Mouse money five hundred dollars a thousand dollars. But you can make but Sam was big too. But he didn't lose their money. He fucked up in other ways. Dark, and the same way, Mario, cuts both ways, right? You you, you can't you can have it both ways. But I I think I, first of all, everyone that's opined very seriously about the U.S. system, other than David Silver, is a non-U.S. citizen, right? Uh, I would like to give the point of view of a U.S. citizen on two things that have been said by international folks and nothing against international people finding on the U.S. I, res I respect the objective point of view to see the U.S. for what it is. However, I think I do take an objective point of view, even being U.S. First of all, I don't think the judiciary is as corrupt as you want to go ahead and paint it to be. There may be one judge here or there. Certainly, there are situations of corruption, I think, at lower levels, high-profile cases, federal cases, I don't believe are corrupt because, frankly, there are too many whispers around that would get out and you're, you you would be destroyed. You, you would destroy not only the system, you would also destroy your career. And I don't believe that it is uh, necessarily rampant in terms of corruption. I believe in the case of FTX, by the way, remember, all of these politicians that you say are influencing the judiciary in terms of their decision. Their voters matter to them. They are the ones that leave them in office and have their job security. 
not necessarily the money. Although they need the money for their campaigns. But at the end of the day, they need the votes. FTX creditors and investors, it's the largest bankruptcy that this country has ever seen in terms of how many people have been burned. That numerosity is very, very important to legislators. And I don't think they're going to stop on this one. And I do think they're ready to throw Sam Bankman Freed under the bus because, frankly, the guy's got no future, even if they do give him, you know, some leniency. So I don't believe there that there really is anything but a very long sentence waiting for Sam Bankman Freed. And then on a point made much earlier by Leia, put a number on that, put a number on the state with David, put a number on the sentence. 20 plus years. I agree, David. And how much of it will he, how much of it will he serve, David? Um, 15 plus. I'd say De- David, I wish, I wish what you, I wish the world operated the way you think it operates. Unfortunately, he won't serve any time. It's just the way the world works. The regulate, the regulatory bodies, the federal state, they don't care about the retail investors. Like I said, you have to piss off the big players. Take JP Morgan's money. Take Bank of America's money. What's why uh, should we, should we, should we do a financial battle this one? Ran, ran. Should we do a financial bet, all of us? Let's do, let's do a whole pool. I think I'll be yeah. making a bit of money from this. No Ran, should we do it? Future. No one can tell the future, Gideon. Let's just, I mean, I understand Chicken. your argument. You understand my argument. Let's put something, you know, we could just pin this and we'll come back to when this is over. All right. We can, we can argue this endlessly. But I do want to say one last thing, by the way, about what Leia said about Alan running away from the United States and the U.S. not being the center of, I don't know, world financial markets. I'm old enough, thankfully, at this point to remember when we were told that Hong Kong, London is going to be the center of finance many, many times over. I do believe that there is talent running away from the United States as a result of the current uncertainty surrounding crypto regulation. But I can assure you there's more money here than anywhere else in the world. And I think, even though I would argue otherwise, to scare the shit out of regulators that they better get their you know, butts into high gear to you know, prove regulation so that the talent gets back here. I be- I would, I'm willing to bet that the talent runs back here. The money runs back here as soon as the regulatory landscape is clear. Yeah, I'll just respond to that, David. I understand what you're saying. You know, you've heard this all before. However, if I may say, times are a little different. Um, I'm not sure of what time you were talking about, but there was a time where you had to be situated in these big cities you know, in order to make the money to to make your mark in whatever industry it is. But times are, like technology is moving fast. We don't need to be situated in major cities anymore. In fact, even if regulators do get their act together, what 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 incentive do people have to want to stay in these major cities? Even for tax purposes, there are far more friendlier places to live. And people are moving, they're leaving. And so I, I, I'm not really bullish on this on the future of America for that reason. They can get they can get their act together with regulation, but in general, moving to far more to um, more of an authoritarian uh, a way of being. Taxes are increasing. Um, you know, we we saw lockdowns and things like that. People people don't want that anymore. Um, you know, CBDCs and is working on their CBDC just like many other different countries. And so we don't need to be situated in these places anymore. We actually now, technology has actually given us the free to leave and go wherever we want to go, wherever, you know, we're benefited, uh, wherever we have the most. Yeah, right let's see, let's see. Gideon, hold on. Let's see. Let's see if uh, the audience agrees with Gideon and, and Leia and Ran, the Ran crew or my crew with David and David. 
I think my crew is a lot stronger. And I, 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 I'm going to have... Well, I think, do you have any... If we, if yeah, you do have Bruce. Bruce, yeah, Bruce, Bruce is going to be in your crew. Yeah, hold on. And Ron, Ron, are you in my crew, Ron, before we go to Bruce? Just so I know, because I need to, Bruce is tough. I need to balance it out. Ron, or are you in Ron's crew? If you're in Ron's crew, I'm screwed. No, I, I, I'm in your crew. All right, cool. Go, and let's, all right, right. I'm, I'm going to... Ah, perfect, perfect. All right, cool. So I got Ron. I'm pretty comfortable. Bruce, you go and then Ron. And then we'll see if my my camp or Ron camp... And in the comments, let us know if you're in my camp or Ron's camp. Rand is already too chicken to do a financial bet on this one. We'll see if he changes his mind. I'll hold him to this. No, I'll do the financial bet. You just name the number. All right, I'll, I'll, we'll do that. Anyone? I just, Mario, I just want to comment on what Leia said and also about the whole crypto bill and innovation in America. I think Leia makes a really good point. Both Leia and I, as you might be aware, we live in Florida, so we, we're English, but we live in America. And we really like America. And for years and years and years, for over 100 years, America has been the dominant player in the world. It has the most sophisticated and complex market. Everybody wants to sell to Americans. When you run ads on the internet, you get paid the most if you sell to Americans because they have the most dispensable, uh, disposable income. So we know America is the greatest, but Leia makes a good point. America is getting too cocky, too uh, big-headed because technology has made the world globalized. And I don't need to be in Miami. I like Miami, but I don't need to be. I can be anywhere in the world and operate my business. Same thing with Rand Nuna. Look how successful Rand Nuna is. He's all the way at the bottom of Africa. He doesn't need to be in New York on Wall Street. He doesn't need to be in downtown LA or Miami or, or Chicago. He can be wherever he wants. We can work anywhere. So if America get too cocky and continue to act the way they act with crypto, we don't understand it, and it's, it's this, it's that, and it's, it's for bad actors... Then all the money will just leave the will leave America and right. go offshore. I'm gonna I'm gonna the last I'm gonna, thing, just the last point if I can. Ahead. This is the other corruption that I promise you is so rife in America. Listen to this one, David D. Towell. A Bitcoin spot ETF will only be approved once it's in JP Morgan Bank of America's interests. That is the only that's time once in interest. And that's it. That's how it works. It's nothing to do with protecting the retail. It's once it's in their interest and they can make money on fees and have a huge uh, share in the market. So you're saying, but you're saying, so you said Rad is all the way in South Africa. You're saying South Africa has less corruption than the US? No, it just means you don't need to be where the players are. South Africa is completely corrupted. Probably so. So so before (laughs) before I go to Bruce, I'm going to go to Ron to balance it out. Ron, you got to back me up here, man, because I I, I think we're not giving the US enough credit. We're not giving the, the, the judicial system enough credit. No, I, I want to stress here. I'm, I'm a lobbyist, so I'm here on the ground in D.C. Uh, every day, well, live a quarter mile away from the Capitol. Uh, I run across SBF all the time. And there's a reason why Coinbase, Watchy Association, and a few others joined against SBF's uh, and his bill he was pushing last year um, because he was trying to screw over the entire DeFi ecosystem uh, and having centralized exchange regulation apply to DeFi. It just didn't make sense. Um, and I've seen this play out firsthand. He is not well liked. His political circles have crumbled. He is outcast. Uh, he has screwed over Democrats and Republicans because he donated to Democrats and Republicans. Um, and it, it, he has lost all goodwill here. There's not some like conspiracy theory in terms of that uh, he's going to get off because of this. It's I, We've seen it play out firsthand. If you were at the hearings or watched the hearings the past two days, FTX came up so many times in terms of we need regulation because of what happened. Uh, there was no one saying, you know, pro team SBF anymore. He is the one of the most disliked people. The DC. benefit, uh, Ron, the be- I agree with you. The benefit of backing SBF is far outweighed by the risk. The risk of leaks coming out and saying you tried to influence the the SBF's um, 
uh, hearing and the charges is going to destroy anyone's career. Now, the only argument that would make sense to me, and I don't agree with that argument, but I'll make it, is that you could say that politicians want to show that donations have an impact, that they will help you afterwards so they can keep getting more donations. But I, I think this is a bit far-fetched. Bruce? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I agree that Sam may get thrown under the bus and do some time, but I also think that the legal system is definitely corrupt. You know, lawyers, lawyers are the biggest defenders of this. No, it's not corrupt. You know, it, and I see that a lot on Twitter and I say, you know, bless your hearts, lawyers. You remind me of when I was in boot camp and I thought that I was fighting for America. I thought I was fighting for freedom. You know, me and my other 19 year old boot camp idiots were sitting there believing the line. And a lot of lawyers believe what they learned in law school, which is that judges are fair and the system works. And we have overwhelming evidence right now, right on this call. Everybody knows that the reason that they pulled the campaign finance charges is because what a David said, because of the discovery, because if they go into the discovery, they're going to see all kinds of dirt. And by the way, when we say it's Republicans and Democrats, let's be fair, it was 31 million to Democrats and 200,000 to Republicans. So it's not like it's both sides. He gave a piddly amount to Republicans to make it seem like it was bipartisan, but it was overwhelmingly Democrats. He was the second largest donator to Biden. Gensler, the guy who appointed Gensler, uh, you know, Joe Biden got $11 million. So it's it's completely corrupt. We see it in the Hunter Biden case. You know, lawyers can't hand wave it away. I know that it, I know. I believe me. I want to believe this just like I wanted to believe what I believed in boot camp, which is that, you know, America is fighting for freedom. But it just ain't true. And I know the lawyers want to believe what they they're put, invested their whole career in, that this system is fair. But the Hunter Biden case proves that it absolutely positively is not. And the corruption of Gary Gensler, who is head of the regulator, who has not even explained why Sam had special unprecedented access. Why did Sam get access that I can't get, even as a registered person, that Sam wasn't? And Brian Armstrong can't get, and a lot of other people. Why? Why did he get that access? We know why he got that access. Because of corruption. Because of corruption. Because Gary Gensler is corrupt. And if he says otherwise, I know this bothers him. He said that tweets bother him. He needs to come and be transparent like everybody else in the industry. And he can come on a spaces like everybody else in the industry. And he can explain. I guess he's too busy or too important, but until then, I'm going to assume that Gary Gensler is corrupt because the overwhelming evidence is that he is. Why else? If, if he has some other reasonable explanation about why he gave Sam special access and special treatment, then he needs to be transparent and come forward to that. So the system is rotten to the core. It is totally, completely corrupt. I have no faith in the justice systems based on the r ridiculous travesties of, of what has happened in the last few years and what, what the judges have done in all kinds of cases related to this and all kinds of other things with human rights and lockdowns and, and abandoning the Constitution and free speech and a million other things. So unfortunately, I hate to say it, but unfortunately, the system is rotten to the core. It is very, very corrupt. And, you know, we've got to at least recognize that, you know, so that we we can fix it. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm also, you know, not super optimistic of this idea that, you know, we're getting some kind of magic clarity that's going to open floodgates again. We're still in a in a bad position. We have a long, long way to go. To have give us give us a number. Let's do this. Uh, but I'm sure let me get my notepad out. And uh, let's get everyone's numbers. In the audience, tell us how many years and be be objective. Don't just say put zero. How many years do you think Sam will end up in jail? Put it in the comments, the, the purple circle, bottom right corner. Let's start with uh, uh, Scott is offline doing silly things. Rad, do you want to go first? Sure, six months. And six months, I'll through this stuff. All right. Leia. Yeah, I agree with Rand. Six months and then six months on house arrest. Bruce. 
Yeah, I'd say probably a couple of years. All right, uh, Gideon. Yeah, he'll do a few months on house arrest, and they'll just, they'll just drag it out. And then once the media have something else to talk about, like a new proxy war, like Russia versus Ukraine, or a new disease that comes out, then we forget about SBF, and the world goes on. That's how it works, everybody. We, we, well, people, well, we have we have we have Trump now. People are still we have Trump, and people are still talking about FTX. So it doesn't seem to be working. Oh, don't worry. They'll bring out a new disease for, for you all to talk about. They'll do that very soon, I predict. Don't worry. It's coming. It? Because that's how you do, by the way. That's right. how the media runs. You have to keep the attention. You need to keep people listening to the, the radio, to the to the TV. It's how we do it. So six months on house arrest, maximum. And then we'll just forget about it because... Uh, yeah, I can't imagine, Gideon, I cannot imagine you and Leia fighting. You both have such a strong personality. I, it must end up in punches. And I'm sure she's punching you. Uh, Mikkel, how many? That's why I said, oh, you go easy on her. He's like, go easy on her. It's fine. Mikkel, how many years? I'm going to say 20 plus. All right, man. I like that you're one of the smart ones here. Uh, Noel? 30 years, 20 served. 20 served. Nice. All right. Uh, David? Yeah, I'm 20 plus. I love this. We have a great panel today. Ron? Not a lobbyist, not a lawyer, but I'm going to go with uh, 10 years minimum at least. Cool. David, tell you. Oh, I'm sorry. I answered for David Silver. Ah, so. <laughs> oh, okay. And David Mr. Silver? I'll jump in for me. I'm going to say 21 years sentence. And I'm going to say, you guys got to remember, in federal court, it's a little different. You have to serve, you know, with rare exception, you have to serve about 85% on federal charges. So I'm going to say 21 years, figure 18 years in jail. 18 years in jail. All right, let me fix that. All right, cool. I'm going to sit at 15. It was meant to be a, a 10 plus, but 15 is somewhere in the middle. It's average to everybody. And I got to 15. And I'm going to go through the comments, see what the audience says. But uh, I like it. I think I've got, so on my side, we have one, two, three, four, five, six. And on Rand's side is one, two, three, one, two, three, four, four versus six. Cool. I'm sure Scott would be on your side, Rand, but he's offline, unfortunately. No, that was an epic. Yes, sir. Remember Al Capone? Uh, I don't. I, I wasn't alive back then, but yes. Okay, I know him personally. No, I'm kidding. So Al Capone did all these terrible things, right? We can all agree that. Do you remember the one thing they got him on? What was it? Tax? That, tax that so who did he fuck with? Not all the bootlegging, the gangster, the racketeer. Not none of that. It was because he fucked with the IRS. You don't yeah. fuck with the government's money. I, I like. I like. So I, that's I, what they'll get you on. I agree. You just. Yeah. You just. Yeah. He you just made the poor. But make a good point, Gideon. The one you should be looking at is Michael Milken. Michael Milken only went to jail for 22 months. If you want to make a good argument, it's Michael Milken. Oh yeah, Michael Milken's the Gordon Gecko. Yeah, yes, Michael Milken. Of course, he's the big corporator. I know it's the same thing. He's connected. He's in the homogeneous network. That's how you play the game. And you can either cry and bitch and moan like, "Oh, he, it's not fair," or you can just understand how the game is played and I guess play the game yourself. That's all you can do. See, Mario, I want to help both sides. I'm just, I, I, I'm going to split the fence. I think he's wrong, but Michael Milken's the best example here. Of if you really look at someone who's similar to playing the game in, in the inside, Milken was on the inside. He was the first one in the Drexel Berman Lambert years who wanted to be more famous than rich. Um, but I'm telling you, 18 years minimum. Cool. Uh, Mike, Mike, I'm was just Michael, Michael. the guy who entered the junk bonds. No, I don't think so, no. Yes, that was is it? Correct. It yeah, was. I, in the I, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Right. Cool. So Michael Milken, again, he was in the network. He was okay. different. He was in the interest to sell. Oh, Scott is he on a Gideon uh, Scott Scott. Scott decided to join us. Scott, did you hear the discussion? It was an epic. Uh, I mean, uh, I've heard a bit of it. I mean, Milken. How much is because, how much? How, uh, Scott, I want to get your number, man. It wasn't a Ponzi scheme. Uh, it, oh, I think he goes to jail for twenty. Oh shit! I didn't um, expect you to be on my side for once. Yeah, and 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 Milken was different. It was jump bonds, but he wasn't like it wasn't a full on Ponzi scheme stealing from retail. I have a great Michael Milken story. Actually, I went to I went to school with his son at the University of Pennsylvania, Lance. And our freshman year, I was rushing his fraternity, and we were in his room, and The Simpsons came on, and I was sitting there with this dude watching The Simpsons, and they made fun of his dad, like on The Simpsons, and probably was the most awkward moment in history. <laughs> but Michael Milken was not the same man. He he did not like destroy millions and millions of people's finances. Cool. Well, on that point, um, on that point, I think it was a really fun space today. Um, anyone that wants to jump on the show as a sponsor. Just DM me because Ryan just dropped off. We didn't pin the tweets, so you just got to DM me. Um, I don't know. Scott, Scott, do you have your DMs open yet? All right, cool. Don't DM Scott. Um, and Yeah, I, I do not have my DMs open. Sorry. Bus, <laughs> okay. 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 So maybe one day you should open them. Maybe, maybe you can open them so people that want to pay us can message you, you arrogant man. I Not not, not worth any amount of money. Okay, okay. All right, guys. So if you want to come on as a sponsor on the Shark Tank show that we do, uh, just DM us. And we'll see you again, not tomorrow, but Monday, uh, same time as always. Really appreciate the panel. It was a pretty epic chat. It was a pleasure to have Congressman Torres on here earlier. Thanks a lot, everyone.